It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It's the 21st of June. This is the COB. Thanks for joining us. I'm Nadine Blaney. I'm Kyle Rotter. How are you? I'm great, actually. What are we putting this Turnaround Tuesday down to? Oh, the fact that we were down seven days before that, probably. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I I, I always find um, trying to find a narrative to to fit the price action sometimes a little bit of a, you know, I suppose exercise and imagination and a journalist's imagination. So just a little bit of a bounce, but um, it was positive. So we'll take it. Yeah. Especially, you know, when you have a holiday in the States the day before. Um, look, the S&P ASX 200 finished at 6,524. Let's call it that up by 1.4%. Looking around the region as we record this podcast, I'm also seeing positivity in uh, Japan but not so with some of the Chinese mainland markets. They're coming under pressure there. If I can just broad strokes, uh, tell you what happened for the Australian market in terms of sectors. We did have uh, the miners looking much, much better today than they did yesterday, as well as the energy space, where we saw a bit of selling pronounced coming through was in the healthcare names, as well as some of those uh, A-REIT, some of the property names as well. But the banks, the banks seem to shrug everything off today, coming back with a bang, nab up by about 4%, Westpac putting on about 3%. Yeah, really cyclical today. It was interesting. So miners, energy up, consumer stocks doing fairly well. Um, And uh, yeah, like you said, the underperformers were those interest rate sensitive areas of the market. So maybe a little bit of a reversal of some recent things we've seen. So the banks, I guess, shrugging off uh, fears of recession, as did the Reserve Bank Governor, Philip Lowe. Look, he wasn't saying today when he addressed an AmCham ANZ event that there was zero chance of recession, um, but doesn't see it as the base case for the coming months. Um, it was an interesting chat. Yeah, what did you get from it, Nadine? Because obviously you were uh, fortunate enough, well, not fortunate because it was well-deserved, but to um, <laughs> chair the uh, chair the conversation. Yeah, well, it was a bit of a Q&A um, that I got to participate in, but uh, it was preceded by a speech, of course, and, and a well-thought-out comments coming from the Reserve Bank Governor. Um, look, it was really interesting to hear about how the bank is looking to be open and transparent um, on the yield curve control conversation. So they just completed that review of the yield curve control program um, and released it earlier today as well and I thought it was really interesting just listening to his commentary about hindsight being 2020 and the perhaps too much focus was put through the deep dark days of the pandemic on the downside Um, you know and all the things that uh, could go wrong and of course perhaps maybe not enough uh, focus being put on things that could work out better than expected. So really talking about that sort of insurance policy that was brought out, saying history still is going to judge whether or not it was too much. But um, 
the point being is that uh, you know everything turned out better than everybody had been expected, saying that uh, unlikely to go for yield curve control again, more likely to do bond purchases uh, because they allow for more flexibility. And then, of course, you get to the interest rate conversation. And the first question out of the gates from journalists, of course, was, is it going to be 75 basis points at the next meeting or 50? And uh, the governor made very clear that 25 or 50 basis points will be what is likely to be discussed at the next meeting, uh, seemingly throwing cold water on that 75 basis point prospect. And when you think about it, Kyle, I mean, yeah, they're, they're looking for inflation. Inflation is the big concern, even more than that, inflation expectations. So inflation expectations getting built into consumers' minds. And we don't get another inflation read until before the August meeting. Yeah, so they're, they're very unlikely to run into the uh, dilemma that the Fed did a couple of weeks ago yeah. where inflation came in too hot and they, they had their hands forced. So maybe they have a little bit more wriggle room from that perspective. But it's an interesting point you make because I had um, Prashant Unahar from TD Securities on today just after the... Uh, speech, but also coming off the back, of course, the Fed meeting last week, and that's what everyone's worried about: is that unanchoring of expectations. Everyone, every central bank you talk to, every every central banker you hear from at the moment, is pushing back on that data. Surveys that say that um, consumers are expecting inflation to remain higher for longer, and that's what they're really worried about. Yeah, it's inflation psychology, is what the Reserve Bank governor called it. You know, those ongoing inflation expectations. He wants to make it very clear that the RBA will do what it needs to do to return inflation. Uh, the rate of inflation to that inflation target band of between 2 to 3%, but not putting a timeline on it, saying that inflation will remain high for a couple of years, perhaps, and really emphasizing that the Reserve Bank is not on a preset path. It is data-dependent. So that's really all you need to know. But uh, I know that some have sort of uh, seen this as a reinforcing their perhaps uh, more hawkish view on the RBA, you know, we could see another 50 basis point increase. Um, and also, I think, you know, everybody recognizes, well, not everybody, but like, you know, stating the obvious that interest rates are still really very low. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what the governor said today too, didn't he? And, and you know, justified at the last meeting was that 0.85%. Um, I think for anyone who, who doesn't follow, I suppose, the economics or isn't sort of well-versed in the theory of it all is that, you've got to have some notion of where the neutral rate is. And if the rate's below the neutral rate, then effectively it's stimulatory. So it's 0.85%. Yeah, it's higher. There's going to be some households that heard from it. But in real terms, you know, the, the policy settings are still accommodative. Yeah. So they've got to work hard to get that thing up. Accommodative. Australians have $200 billion in saving buffers built up, um, which again, the governor was at points to paint out that yes, um, he, he does believe that inflation hurts those on the lower end of the demographic spectrum in terms of earnings more significantly, but also Aggressive. saying that a lot of a lot of Australians are still have that buffer um, either in cash or more likely in their mortgages or offset accounts. Uh, so look, uh, RBA endlessly fascinating. Um, central bank action right now, endlessly fascinating. No doubt we'll be getting more Fed speakers at tonight that we can chew over and mull over. What does it mean? But the bottom line is, is that macro is driving markets right now. Yeah, without a doubt. And that's why it's so difficult to see anything. <laughs> I don't want to be like uh, the, the, the bearer of bad news or being be a cynic here, but it's uh, hard to see that this is the sort of turning point with this rally in the market today. It's uh, what, to, what one day of, of trade does not make a... Make a trend, Make a trend? Not Aww. yet, unfortunately. Yeah. Darn, Kyle. I don't think anything's changed Very yet. disappointing. So just mm. some of the big winners today in terms of share price gains by percentage terms. Points bet holdings for the second day in a row. Hey, listen, we discussed that. 
on um, on the call today. I uh, can't say that my guests gave it a ringing endorsement. Uh, we saw Oz Minerals, Clinuvel, QBE, and Nickel Mines doing really well today. On the flip side of things, though, we saw Megaport uh, selling off. We saw uh, APA Group selling off as well. Um, looks to be a bit of a broker re-rating coming through from for APA. And uh, we had Grain Corp. Actually, I don't know where Grain Corp finished the day. When I looked earlier, it was... Here we go. That's why I bring my computer everywhere with me. Grain Corp was up by 4% today, Kyle. It uh, reaffirmed its guidance. It was the stock of the day. Let's listen in to what Francesco DeStratis from Ordmanet and Mark Moreland from Team Invest had to say. I do like the fundamentals behind the agricultural sector. It's difficult to get... Uh, really good exposure in our market, surprisingly, um, um, in, to, to this sector. Uh, but you throw in there the good harvest, but also uh, increase uh, prices on their commodity, you know, soft commodities. Um, most of that driven by the conflict in the Ukraine and, and Russia. So, so they're in a, a bit of a sweet spot at the moment. Um, the share price has performed significantly well over the last two years well outperforming the, the underlying index. So, um, look, I, I, I think it's probably performed to its um, to its earnings and I, I'd, I'd say it's a hold. You're paying at the very high range of its uh, its PE uh, for, because we've had a big spike in uh, the commodity prices, which yeah, may be short-lived. So as a, as a business long-term, we're showing it returning uh, negative about 15% a year based on its long-term history. So, uh, and then they're spending more on capital, great. You know, so <laughs> so to be no, no interest to us at all, Team Invest. All right, so that is not being put to the investment committee. It's in the agri-space. You know it's cyclical, just not enough. Uh, and, and the price has been doing well. Um, so just not seeing a lot of value in that name. Hey, Kyle, what mm-hmm. do we have on the economic calendar coming up tonight or tomorrow? I just think it's, you said it before, it's the deluge of Fed speakers, right? Um, you know, for me, one thing at the moment is that uh, central bankers are really having trouble reclaiming the narrative. It's something that's coming out with a lot of the guests that I'm talking to right now, and we're getting a lot of, I guess, mixed commentary from, from the Fed speakers that we've had already, you know, bull out out last night, talking about, you know, the potential for a soft landing and, um, you know, the, the risks of a recession coming up from, from a few other um, speakers as well. So I think we're sort of in that post-Fed um, environment. The data doc is a little bit lighter this week, but we're just going to be perusing all of these speeches to see what the potential path for rates are going to be. Because for me, it's the way I sort of see it in the in the rates curve at the moment is markets are trying to discount whether these forward loading of interest rates in the next few months in terms of interest rate hikes will mean that the curve will be flatter in the long run. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it'll be 3.5% that we end the year or it'll be 4%. That seems to be the main debate, um, and a lot of that um, price action is going to be dictated by the guidance that we get from some of these speakers in the next few days. All right. Uh, look, tonight we do have the Chicago Fed National Activity Index. Also, some existing home sales data, which I think will be interesting as well. Uh, look, we've got a great day coming up tomorrow in terms of guests, as per usual, I must um, but we kick it off with Kenny Polcari from Slatestone out of the U.S. He will give us a wrap of everything we need to know about the market through the overnight period. And really, who knows uh, what it may bring. Um, we'll also be speaking with John DeWitt from Zero Cap. So getting a crypto update. Look, there are some, uh, some big concerns about the crypto space. And uh, also some concerns that we might see a bit more contagion uh, coming through in uh you know, in in the in the coming days, really anything is possible. You've got to think with crypto now, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
sort of having trouble holding above that 20,000 level, so we'll see if that breaks. Matthew Sherwood from Perpetual will give us his update on where we are in terms of this uh, this real change in sentiment in markets. Last time I chatted to him, we were at phase two of a three-phase downturn in markets. So I'll get an update for that. That's your heads up for that tomorrow at 11. Kyle, you can go back and listen to the last couple of interviews <laughs> where we've updated where we are in, in, yeah. in the cycle. Stage, yeah. um, as far as data tomorrow, it's a bit quiet, a bit light on. We get detailed skilled vacancies for jobs for the month of May. Vacancies, as we know, are at 14-year highs. I mean, the unemployment rate's so low. I asked the governor today, just to bring it back there for a sec, you know, whether um, such as we heard in the U.S. Um, overnight that, you know, you have to see unemployment rise, um, you know, even significantly to get inflation under control. He did not necessarily agree with that uh, with that statement. Um, but uh, by the way, if anybody's interested in listening or reading that speech, all of that is put up online on the uh, RBA's re- website, actually, rba.gov.au, if you'd like to hear things with your own ears. Um, yeah, other than that, Kyle... I don't know. Stock specific, not a lot of news out today. We're in that sort of that sort of um, period in confession season, getting some guidance revisions. Uh, but you know, we're making our way toward reporting season. Believe it or not, I tremble at the thought. But it should be very interesting. Oh we're my gosh, get Kyle, you've been here for a reporting season. No, it's I've so heard, fun. I've heard. I've heard. It's a <laughs> hell of a hell of a time. So it is fun. I'll, Do I'll, not listen to <laughs> specific one specific person. We get uh, such good insights into what's happening at the corporate level. No. Actually, just chatting off air with Mark Moreland from Team Invest. Um, he was. Uh, he brought something up that I hadn't given it any real thought to. He said that a lot of company CFOs, some even CEOs, but CFOs have never dealt with an inflationary environment before. They have never been around in it's the seventies or eighties. It's yeah. a wild thought. So he said it's they're lived really memory, isn't that lived experience? It makes a big difference. Yeah, he said that some companies, this is their heart. You know, ripe for mistakes to be made. Yeah. In an in an, an environment that they've not operated in before. That's not pointing the fingers at any one, you know, type of company or type of leader. It's just the reality. Yeah. So that should make for um some interesting conversations to come. Yeah, the total argument they're in a paradigm shift. It's so exciting. Yeah. All right, Kyle. Um look, I've got some stuff to do. I'm sure you do too. Um I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Absolutely. See you yeah. then. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.